Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stripe. It's your free throws because they're free. The mighty are ESPN 1090. Shout out to those listening in an insane week. We have boots on the ground. Dear friend of mine in the space. Great writer. Great covering the Patriots report for the Believe Podcast Network. Christopher Price, one half of the team with the other half. Chris Hogan, great Patriot. Joining us today, live boots on the ground. You're in, you're in the thick of things, man. Uh, we'll start off. How surprised were you? What's the vibe like in Foxborough right now? Um, and then maybe what's next for Bill and what's next for the New England Patriots as far as head coach goes? First of all, it's great to join you today. It, it has been a really strange 48 hours here. I, I Crazy. thought initially there was maybe a chance that they had a shot at finding some sort of common ground. Um, and that would have meant Bill taking on a GM. He talked about that with us during his season-ending press conference. He sounded almost conciliatory with the understanding that, look, you know, I'd be open to bringing someone in. Um, But as we know now, that was not a possibility. So right now, the the mood around Foxborough, I'm right outside the stadium. Um, We just came out of the press conference with Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft. The the tone is is pretty muted around here. Mm. And, And it's fascinating to look at this franchise that's been so steady as she goes for such a long time now having to deal with this strange new reality you know I, i've covered this team for 19 seasons you know going all the way back, I go all the way back to and i've never had to cover a coaching search before you know so there's going to be some new stuff to get used to around here this was a strange season we had to get used to a lot of new things around here and now this is the next step i will say this to answer your last question robert specifically alluded to rooting for bill belichick except when he plays us moving forward. So I think the the expectation is that he's on the lookout for his next job, wherever that may be. Yeah. I think, you know, obviously the chargers maybe make the most sense, but you know, they're, they're 10 tones down. It seems for Jim Harbaugh, but we'll see if he leaves Michigan and there's obviously insane news going on with Nick Saban retiring Pete Carroll, leaving Seattle. It's almost like a changing of the guards in the football world. Um, but bill in the, in the most ironic way would go to Atlanta, which I think would just be simply <laughs> or Tampa Bay. If they get bounced, I think with both of those situations would be absolutely uh, hilarious and, and completely ironic. Um, what do you, what's your takeaways though from Bill Belichick? You've covered the team again for so long. Like maybe what's a lesson and a valuable thing you've learned from him at, at your time at Foxborough? That you need to set up a better succession plan if when you lose your franchise quarterback. Mm. And I think the initial idea was that, and that's not my ultimate takeaway, but I, I think that over the last few years, anyway, you know, maybe the last five years, I think that's the biggest thing that that I've learned. And Bill is an avowed fan of Mike Shanahan, and. I think when you look at what Shanahan did in the post-Elway era in Denver, look, they weren't as great as they were, but they were back in the AFC Championship game within four or five years. I think that was the hope that he could find a way to make it work, put together an offensive line, put some pieces around, you know, the quarterback that you do have in place, and, you know, you take your shot going forward. But, you know, they he botched the, the post-Brady dismount, for lack mm. of a better term. And, and I think – that's what people are going to take away here from the last four or five years. Look, he's the greatest coach in the history of the game. 
He is. There's no doubt he's got six rings, you know, Super Bowls. <laughs> the resume is without peer. But at the same time, I think for me, the understanding is they, they did not have a plan. They did not have a succession plan in place when Brady left. And, and I think, you know, the, the end game is is what we've seen what we're seeing today. Do you think like his pride and hubris maybe was a bit of his downfall in New England? Like, because maybe it seems a little bit too proud, like he could figure it all out. And like, you know, the, one of the bigger things, and you talked about the having a GM come in, right? Mm-hmm. Is maybe he, a lot of people feel he's lost a step. And I think it may be a bit harsh, but lost a step as a GM and as a talent evaluator. And I think, you know, he didn't really make a crazy move. He loves to hold on to his picks. He stayed mm-hmm. and, he, and he took Mac Jones. That didn't work out. You know, he's, he's recycled continuously the same coaches rather than giving new opportunities to guys. So do you think his pride and, and his, the way he views himself and the way he's viewed his past success and maybe his inability to change ultimately hurt him in New England? Yeah, I, I think, Josh, I think he is still a great coach. X's yeah. and O's, day-to-day, week-to-week, teaching the game, that's what he still loves more than anything. And, and I think you're going to see that with him wherever he goes next. I think his downfall in the last five years has been from a team building perspective. You know, I, th- I think when he had guys like Scott Pioli here, or when he had Scott Pioli here, I think it was a really good combination of, of talents. And, and look, you know, the, the analogy is always there. The, the fact that you know, it was the Patriots and the Spurs who figured it out. You had the owner, the superstar, the GM, and the coach all kind of pulling on the same oar. When one of those is taken out of the picture, or one person kind of supersedes the other, when, when that balance is thrown out of whack, that's when you're going to have problems. And, and I think that was one of the things that we've seen here. But I, I, I think if he had to do it all over again, I think he would lean more on his personnel guys over the last five or so years. Um, and again, not just the Brady stuff that we talked about before, but the idea of, you know, drafting for need as opposed to taking what they perceive to be the best possible player available. So there's a few things he would do over again, I, I think, ultimately, to answer your question. But it, I, I think, you know, from a team building perspective, their questions remain as to how he handled, you know, this most recent stretch of football. Yeah, it's and his counterpart in, in college football, Nick Saban, retires. You know, we, we speak about the changing of the guards, but, you know, I, I completely I completely agree with you. You know, it's sometimes you have to loosen the reins a little bit and bring other people in to get their knowledge. And, you know, and I think a lot of it's ironic you bring up the Spurs because they have Wembenyama coming in this year. And I think a lot of people felt, OK, the Patriots took a turn for the worst, but Caleb Williams is coming out. Maybe it's like, you know, they're paralleled pop and Wembenyama, Caleb Williams and Bill. Um, is this more of a surprise than Brady, or were you, I guess, more ex- expecting this one? I think you could kind of see this coming in some form or fashion. The only way they would have been able to avoid it is if they had figured out a way to work with the GM. Yeah. And whether that would have been, I don't know, Lewis Riddick is a name that I floated out there, you know, mm-hmm. but someone who could help Bill when it came to personnel questions, yeah. someone who could help when it came to, you know, someone who could push back a little bit when you're saying, you know, maybe you don't want to take you know, Cole Strange with the first pick, you know, maybe you want to go in a different direction. I, I think that is, you know, that that's the thing that that's it right there. That, that if he could have had a little bit more pushback in the front office, maybe they wouldn't be in this situation right now. Yeah. Who's uh, maybe some three, four names that the Patriots are looking at to take over for Bell at the head coaching spot. I think it's real short, right? I think the list is real short right now. It's either Gerard Mayo or, or Mike Rabel. I, I think it starts with those two guys and you go from there. I Gerard Mayo, was empowered in a way as I have never seen before uh, what they did last offseason. 
you know, putting out a press release saying we're retaining him. We want him to be part of this franchise, you know, moving forward for the future. And in that moment, he was seen as the guy. He was seen as the heir apparent. And so I don't know if they've specifically promised the job to Gerard Mayo, but I think the list starts with him, jumps to Mike Vrabel, and kind of moves from there. I, this is not a franchise that's going to go too far off the radar. You know, I, I don't think they're going to be players for guys like, you know, Ben Johnson, for example, or Frank Smith. I don't think they're going to go, you know, kind of kind of crazy like that. They, they like to kind of position themselves as forward thinkers, but at the same time, I don't think they're going to necessarily find, try and find one of those guys. Shane Waldron's another guy who mm. I think is interesting, uh, especially given his New England roots. I mean, he coached prep school here. He went to Tufts. So there, there, there are a few commonalities. But, look, it, it, I, I think it's, it's a short list. And, you know, the two biggest names on it are Vrabel and Mayo. Yeah, Vrabel coming home would be great. Mayo's obviously a guy that's fully from his entire professional career playing, now coaching, has come up through the New England system. Shout out to Tufts. Go Jumbos. Um, last two for you. Who's more impressive? Who's Ramos more impressive for you, Sabins or Belichick's? Boy, that's tough. I, I think I think you could. I, I'll be accused of being a New England honk, but I'll, I'll say I'll say Belichick just because he did it twice in two very distinct eras. You know, two uh, you know almost a decade apart in the salary cap era, in the era of free agency, with everything designed to bring teams back to the same point. I'll go with him. And look, Saban, I'm not dismissing Saban at all. You know, it's very, very difficult to win in, the, in, the, in college football these days with NIL and having to essentially recruit guys every single year to be able to return. But I still think Belichick is the more impressive of the two because, again, the space between the separate dynasties, you know, the, the, the fact that it went 03, uh, 01, 03, 04, and then a decade later, they were able to run it back with completely different players other than the quarterback. I, I think I'll go with Belichick on that one. I love your point. It's something I was ruminating on in the NFL, and that's in that version of the sport, right? It's designed to get everyone back to square one. Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the year, what happens? You have the NFL draft where the worst team has the first pick and they're shot at the quote-unquote best player. So they are, it's triggered to keep everybody in the mix where in the, you know, in the NCAA, like the king is king. Like all the best recruits are always going to go to save. And yes, there's a lot of turnover. And yes, it's very tough. If you lose one or two games, you're out of the running for the championship. But nonetheless, all the best players are consistently going to Alabama. Uh, and finally, what's your favorite Bill Belichick moment? Boy, that's tough. I, I talked to him. I, I ran. I was lucky enough to run the Boston Marathon a couple of years ago, oh, and nice. I talked to him in a one-on-one -on -one situation about running and about running marathons and about how difficult it is and the personal sacrifice. And you know, we were able to kind of connect on that level, and that was kind of fun. But look, at the end of the day, Josh, this is a guy for me who still just loves football, and I know that's kind of you know. I'm not breaking any news here when I say that, but it's in his DNA. This is a guy who will work with a backup long snapper, you know, on the, on the mm -hmm. practice field during training camp. This is a guy who has, you know, for good or bad, he had his fingerprints on everything. Yeah. And I think a large part of it, look, you know, you want to win, you want to be successful, but he loved the game. He loved teaching the game. And a lot of that came from his dad, who was a football coach. And, you know, obviously he grew up around the game, but this is a guy who just loves football and wants to keep coaching football and keep teaching football and just have his hands in the game for as long as possible love it man and, and you know what as a patriots fan and as a, you got you are i'm sure and covering the team as long as you have you just want what's best for him he's given absolutely enough and you couldn't no one's really ever done more for a franchise as a head coach so yeah. congrats yeah. to him it's an amazing run um we may never see anything like it again chris price thank you so much go give him a follow on twitter he's great go check out his articles and obviously go check out the patriots report with chris hogan we'll see you next time guys take care and now 
This is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.